0: So, Lou, we obviously, in the podcast a couple of weeks ago, touched on the North Stars' run to the Stanley Cup Finals in the 81 season for which you had constructed that roster and were GM. Now let's fast forward 10 years, 91, and of course the team makes another, in this case, again, unexpected run to the uh, Cup Finals Take me uh, through how how y- your role had evolved by that time, and and you know how things had definitely changed for you from being GM to the new role that you were in by 1991.
1: Well, uh, in '88, when I quit being general manager, uh, I was uh, I was going to go into the business world, but the the guns uh, convinced me to stay around as president. So I stayed around as president for uh, their tenure, and then. When Howard Baldwin bought the team, and uh, then he immediately, within three months, he sold it, uh, control and ownership to Norm Green, and Norm Green came in, and he came in, took the title of president and governor, and so I became executive vice president, and I had to stay one more year by by my contract, so I told him I'd, you know, I'd stay one more year with him, and I really thought that, because uh, I already had a job that I was going to, and... And I had to put that on hold. So I I decided, you know, I'd leave in April because it didn't look like we were going to be a very good team and, and we'd probably miss the playoffs or be out of it right away. So I made a deal with my, my employer at the time, that where I was going in the financial business that I'm in now, that I would come in April, April 15th, after the season was over. Mm-hmm. Well, and little did we know we were going to go right to the finals. So I ended up working half a day with the North Stars from uh, basically May 1st and, and half a day with Piper Capital Management because I had already taken that other job. So I had to work both places until the finals were over.
0: So that year started to, as I recall, the regular season opener that year was at Met Center, and I believe I was there. It was October of, nine, of 90, Louis. And it was a 3-2 loss to the Blues. And as I recall being there, the arena was largely empty. What was the feelings sort of when that year started as to, as to the health of the team? I guess not only just on the ice, but off the ice as well.
1: If you remember, during that time, a couple things were going on. One, they were building the Mall of America. So we had, uh, I forget, $70 million worth of at that time, which was a significant worth of road work going on around the Met. Yep. So it wasn't easy getting in and it wasn't easy getting out, and that was not helping our crowds either. And uh, and then we also had the Timberwolves opening their new arena downtown, and they had just gotten into the NBA. Mm-hmm. So it was a new franchise with all the uh, glamour and, of course, all the hype, and uh, so that was hurting our ticket sales at all uh, as well. And that's why... Uh, Norm Green was trying to do a couple things with the Met Center itself to try and improve the facility and, and trying to spiff it up, and he put seven million dollars in seats, uh, you know, redoing all the seats in the building and other things, and and that's why he's also trying to get uh, basically a, a shopping mall connecting the Met Center with the with the Mall of America, so that, that would help offset some of his uh, losses while he built, you know, the crowds back up.
0: As I I recall then, just to to go back on that, Lou, was that the year that Norm introduced the ice dancers, and and there was some type of, if I'm correct on this, cash giveaway during games as well to try to incentivize fans to show up?
1: Yeah, he was doing some of that. What what really happened is uh, when he took over and and, uh, and our, our crowds were down and he, he had his partner, Morris Bellsberg, uh, who was involved in budget rent-a-car and from Calgary, where Norm was from, and myself. We went to Detroit to meet with uh, Jim lights who was president of the Red Wings. And they had, uh, if you remember at that time, started to really um, fill their building after they were uh, had you know very sparse crowds there and wanted us to go over there and, and see some of the things they did to generate sales. And uh, so you know we went over there and, Looked at some of the ideas they had, brought him back. Some things he liked, some things he didn't like, and and then he, he decided, you know, to go and institute uh, the ice dancers and also the uh, giveaway.
0: Okay, so that team goes uh, during the course of the that season, Lou twenty seven thirty nine and fourteen, and f- finishes fourth in the Norris Division, and despite the record, gets in the playoffs. Was there any point in time during the course of that year that you did see, though, what you thought was a positive uptick or growth? Was there anything, I guess, in entering the playoffs in your mind that gave you any feeling of confidence when that first round series started against the Blackhawks? And of course, that Blackhawks team what had a hundred and and six points. So, so the points the points in that playoff series were a hundred six for Chicago, sixty eight for the North Stars. Was there? Anything though that gave you confidence about that club?
1: The only thing that gave me confidence was the fact that if you go back to '82, the, re- uh, the results were re- reversed. We won the division, and the Blackhawks yeah. were terrible like that. And we had '97, and I don't know, they might had '56 or some crazy thing, but and they put us out. And and uh, the fact that now the rules were reversed. Was the only thing I could remember saying. Well, maybe this time it's our time to do that. I, not that I felt it was going to happen because I didn't. Mm-hmm. Like I said, I'd already taken a job somewhere else because I didn't think we'd we'd be around very long. And and uh, I I just was you know, I was doing the telecast during that time uh, for the playoffs. So I went and uh, did the telecast along with Doug McLeod for our games. And and I didn't think you know I'd be doing many telecasts and and. And uh, before you knew it, we put them out, and uh, you know we started m- moving along. And the team was playing really well. And you, you, you know, we had a lot of guys from our previous North Star team that had played so well. They had gotten Bobby Smith back to go along with Brian Bellows. Casey was in that. Uh, Neil Broughton was still there. Uh, we had Madonna. So when you look at it, we had we had more talent than the record shows, and. And the moves that Bobby Clark and Bob, Bob Gainey made to add some of those things to the roster, like Bobby Smith, uh, it, it uh, helped. We still, I think, uh, Steve Payne was still there. We we had we had a we had I want to say ten, twelve guys, as well, about twelve from the roster we had back in 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 the mid eighties there. So we still had some pretty good guys there, mm-hmm. but they filled in and Jack Ferrard. First was the general manager before the team moved, and, and he added like sonority which was really big. He was a real good defenseman, and then uh, Shane Churla. So between Ferrara and uh, Clark, they added some nice pieces there to improve the roster. It, it didn't translate into wins during the year, but they were starting to come together and then plays extremely well.
0: Uh, Bob Ganey was coach of that team, too. What do you recall right. about him and, and him com- coming here, well, obviously after a very successful career with Montreal, to take over the North Stars?
1: Well, I, I first of all, Ganey, Ganey meant a lot to Mike Madano's career because Bob was one of the best complete players of, of all time. He, he wasn't a great offensive player, but he was the best defensive player in the league. So his knowledge of how to play defensively, first of all, helped the team tremendously throughout the whole team. But more importantly, as Madonna's career evolved, he taught him how to be a much better defensive player, and that made Madonna the complete, superb player that he became. And and uh, he was, uh, you know, Madonna was essentially a, a, a young player that won two years, rookie, and in the league, and so he had he had a lot to learn about playing the game. He had the, the supreme talents, but you still have to learn to play it properly. And, Bob, I remember during the game, I was training here, I, I, I couldn't believe it. Uh, I'm watching We were way down in the score, and it's five on three. And he's got Madano sitting on the bench. I'm saying, oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> but he, he, Madano had not played well defensively during the game, so he was just going to sit him until he, he got the message. But he got through to him eventually, and, and uh, as you know, they both moved on to Dallas, where they won the cup. And sure, Madonna was the reason why they won the cup, and Ganey was the reason why Madonna became such a great all-around player.
0: So how proud were you of Mike's success as you watched that too and and I know he hadn't become a complete player by that time in 91 Lou but because he he was he was in fact why you had gone to the guns and and you've told the story before and said I can make the playoffs if you want me to but if we don't make the playoffs and we're not good we're, we're going to get the first overall pick and I know exactly who I'm going to draft so so how satisfying was that to you to watch uh, his success
1: well, it was tremendously successful, right? and uh, but our, our people, you know, just were enamored with Mike, and, and as he said, well, we could have made a deal, maybe made the playoffs. I don't know if we really would, have, but we sure. were only four points out, so we had a chance. But but Madonna was such a difference maker. If you saw him, and and as you alluded to earlier, Judd, the building was was you know half full, not even half full. And so the fact is, you not only got to win, but you got to sell tickets. And and there's a couple ways of selling tickets. One and first and foremost is winning. Secondly is having an entertaining uh, and uh, dynamic team. But having somebody that really brings you out of your seat, has charisma, can draw. Modano is that type of player. He's a guy that I don't care who you are, where you are. If you like hockey, you're going to enjoy watching him because he'll bring you out of the seats the way he can fly. The way he can handle a puck, the way he can shoot, the way he sees the ice—he had all the offensive things you need to be a dynamic player, which he became. So and to, sorry, to look, see him go along like that was really gratifying. Mm-hmm. But it's also uh, gratifying to see him develop into, you know, one of the best players. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame, and you don't get in there unless you're among the best players of all time.
0: How much, Lou, uh, do you think that that experience in in making that extended playoff run so early in his career helped him to as he he matured as a player?
1: Oh, I think that helped uh, uh, you know so much because it, when you are playing the playoff run like that, and you are as dynamic and as good as he was, then you start getting the confidence you belong. You you start getting the you know the feeling that hey, I can do what I need to do to make this team. Become the best, and you know in the finals, especially he's going against Mario Lemieux, who just dominated and, and, and turned the whole thing around. And yep, you know, one of the greatest goals of all time that they're still showing TV all the time. But <laughs> yes, having come as far as they did and winning a couple of games and 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 competing as hard as they get against the Santa Cup champion, then you know that you're capable of doing that. And then as his career went along, and 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 he learned how to really dominate, and he learned how to dominate because he became a complete player. He became not only great offensively; he was one of the best defensive forwards in the league, thanks to Bumgarner. You know, now he did something that not even a hand—you know—a handful at most can do, mm-hmm. because he was not only dynamic and one of the best players in the league offensively; he was one of the top five players defensively. And, and he had the skill to do all that, and he and he's so, as you remember, so charismatic, so exciting. When he's skating down the ice, and you see his jersey flopping, and, and he's so fast and shoots so hard that uh, you know people buy tickets to see him. He's a type of guy that if you're talking in, in in a restaurant or something about a game, and people are saying, "Oh, you, this team's got so and so." oh, I got to go see him, I'll I'll, I'll go see him, I'll buy a ticket to see him. That's the type of player he was.
0: So you have, at at that point, Mike, uh, starting to have success as well, and and he's the guy you drafted. On the flip side of that Stanley Cup run, and you brought this guy up as well, is Bobby Smith, who is back now from, what, his time with the Canadians, back in the North Star's jersey the guy who, who when you became gm you basically had earmarked as the guy to uh to start to build the franchise around back then what's that like to be in the broadcast booth and seeing the success and two of the pillars are this this young guy who, who became a, a hall of fame type talent but also bobby back and contributing to that club as well
1: well you know i felt uh really excited about it because I, I Bobby was the first guy drafted, so I, I really uh, was uh, close to him. I, I really, you know, uh, it, it became more than just a player; it became something special to me. And I, I was really hurt when he came to me and wanted to be traded, because I, uh, you know, I, I never envisioned myself trading him. And uh, and the, the good fortune is, he, I traded him to Montreal, and he played with Gainey in Montreal. So when Ganey was back there, and and Clark and 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 they needed some pieces. Uh, they got Bobby Smith, and, and Bobby was happy to come back to play with for Gainey because he played with him so long. He knew how good and uh, what a smart hockey man uh, uh, Gainey was, and 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 Bobby Clark, you know, being the leader he was, uh, he was he was happy to get back because he had he had already won a cup in his career. He uh, with the Canadians, he reach the levels he wanted to reach and he always loved Minnesota, just the fact that he felt the coach wasn't playing him enough when he was here and, and that's why he wanted to go, but now he was coming back to be with people that he really revered and uh, to see those two guys there, plus I had, you know, the other I had, like three, in my mind, three other special pieces one was Neil Broughton that they, you know, drafted way back in 78 and or 79 and then the other was uh, Dino Cicerelli, I signed as a free agent, and then the other was Brian Bellows, who was another first-round pick. So they're all on the team, and and and, uh, and uh, well, maybe no. Uh, Dino was gone.
0: Dino was dude. gone, right?
1: Uh, for our yeah, for our trade. But the yep. other two are still there, and and they were special pieces. And we, you know, I signed Casey as a free agent, so he he was a goaltender. There were a lot of people there that I was, uh, you know, so close. Really followed a lot and cared a lot about, so I was happy to see their success.
0: Right, and so uh, clearly the the uh, stress or pressure on you wasn't as great as it was when you were GM, but nonetheless, Lou, what was that like uh, calling games during that playoff run on TV? Because knowing you, there probably was some stress.
1: <laughs> well, there was because we wanted to win, and, and if you remember, just before the finals, they. I believe it was uh, Edmonton Oilers we beat. And and to it was. beat the Oilers. Yep. To beat the Oilers after their great runs and still had a great team and how many times they knocked you know, beat us. Uh and I, I still remember doing the interview after the game, uh the winning game there in the locker room with the exhilaration uh I felt and everybody else in there felt, but uh, the feeling to knock them off uh uh, it was it was special. It was special. I, I must have done I don't know about twenty minutes, twenty five minutes just of interviewing people around the locker room at that time, and and I can still remember the exuberance. The the, I, the locker room was crazy. It was you know it was a huge huge thing that we ended up beating Edmonton. and uh, you know we were like you said we were sixteenth I think that year in the league of the 16th in points of the 16 play- teams that made the playoffs. And here we go, knock off the Vaughn and Oilers before we get to play Pittsburgh.
0: And so, yeah, the, the playoffs that year went, it took the North Stars six games, Lou, to beat Chicago, six games to beat St. Louis, five uh, to beat the o- Oilers and get to the Stanley Cup Finals. After the team beat St. Louis, it was, was there a point then, so it, you threw two rounds at that point, was there a feeling then that this might be special?
1: You know, I, I'd like to say yes, but I got to say no. We still sure. were such underdogs, and, and and the fact that we were getting to the semifinals was something that I, I believe uh, was a major achievement, and 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 everybody felt that way. The expectations were not that we, not, we were going to beat uh, the Oilers, but the fact that we got to the semifinals and what a great thing this was what if we could end up beating the oilers too
0: mm-hmm. and so so you get to the stanley cup finals louis and and uh play pittsburgh at pittsburgh in game one of that series and win five to four what do you recall yourself the thinking as the north stars go into pittsburgh as you that uh, as you were talking about playing this great team mario's on that team and coming away at least after game one with a one-game lead
1: Well, i got to tell you, if you remember back to our 81 team when we went to the finals against uh, the Islanders, the key in in that run was, if you check all the games, Boston, Buffalo, Calgary, we won the first game of every series. And and so we won the series. Now, when we played the Islanders, we were playing well in that first game, but then we took family. Goring got too short on the goals against us. So we lost the first game. We lost the series. So now when you look at this run, we got a 91, and, and now we're in Pittsburgh, win the first round, I mean the first game. Now I'm thinking back to 81, saying, oh, my God, you know, every time we won the first game, we won, we won on the road, we won the series. This might be the year. Now this is the first time, this is really the first time that I thought the North Stars have a chance to win or are, are going to win the cup because now we win an important game. The team is playing so well all the way through. Uh, Clark and Ganey had, had that team just churning, and the players themselves were just just on fire. the 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 confidence with which they were playing, the goaltending they were getting, uh, everything was it seemed like it's gelling together. And then you go into Pittsburgh mm-hmm. and you beat them, and now in your mind you got to think, you know, now the home ice advantage swings to us. There's no reason why we're not going to win. So that's, that's where I was at that time.
0: Yeah, and Casey was fantastic, right?
1: He was unbelievable. he was,
0: yeah. He was
1: terrific, yeah.
0: So, yeah, in, in fact, if you go back and look at that 91 playoff run, Lou, at Chicago, Game 1 in the first round, 4-3 North Stars win in overtime. Game 1 at St. Louis again in the second round, 2-1 win by the Stars. Uh, thir- third round... Game one at the Oilers, of course, three one win, and then get to the uh, Cup finals and win five four. So, so you, you're right that definitely in throughout all those series, set a tone.
1: Yeah, and not only set a tone, it it, it brings you back to eighty one. It's reminiscent of that when every, and every time you we won a game one, we won the, the series, and like I, I I maintain today when you go into the playoffs in the Stanley Cup playoffs. If you take a look, the one game mm-hmm. that really you can steal more than any other is the first game of the series. So I don't mind if i if I got a team in the Seneca playoffs that were on the road first because it just seems that that game more than any other game, you have the opportunity to win on the road. Mm-hmm. And, and you swing home ice into your advantage. And so now after having done it again for three rounds and you go to Pittsburgh and do it, I, you know, maybe being as superstitious or OCD as I am, yeah. I think back to 81, and now, I, now I'm feeling, oh, my goodness, this this really is it. Because now we finally did win the, the first game in the, in the championship round, which we were unable to do against the Islanders, and so this might be the difference, which turned out it wasn't, thanks to Mario Lemieux, because uh, the guys, you know, if you're going to name the top uh, easily in the top five maybe the top three and, and sometimes some people even say the top uh, two and one so
0: he just took the control guy, right
1: he, he just took control of the series mm-hmm. when, when you're six foot five and you could do all the things he did and if you look back at Mario Lemieux's career, even though he was great and he was great right out of the gate he was like a Madonna early all offense no defense. And, and just, you know, not the complete player that he, he became. But not only that, in my mind, the most important thing that happened in Mario Lemieux's career was in 1987 in the Canada Cup. Yep. And I say that because in the Canada Cup he played with Wayne, Wayne Gretzky. And and in the Canada Cup, they had to beat the Russians. and And throughout that Canada Cup, Mari Lemieux is a teammate of Wayne Gretzky. He's playing with him a lot of times on the ice. And, and I really believe that he learned to commit even more to being a leader, the, the dominant player, and, and doing what it takes to become the best he could be by being with Gretzky. I, I, I firmly believe the effect that Gretzky's, you know, uh, being a teammate, had on Lemieux was the turning point in Lemieux's career, where he became even more dominant than he ever was. From '87 on, he was probably the best player in the league. You know, he his totals. I think if you look back, were were unbelievable and and certainly matched Gretzky's. And, and the guy, six foot five, capable of doing everything, did everything, and that's why Pittsburgh was
0: so good. And that again proves your long-standing point where if you get if you get really bad or are just awful at the right time it can be the best thing yeah.
1: <laughs> well, just well, a, another example Judd, even in this day and age yeah it all depends when you get bad I mean yep. you know you get bad at the right time and, and you get a guy like Toronto got an Austin Matthews and Buffalo gotten an Jack Eichel, and, and, and Edmonton's got gotten an Connor McDavid I uh, you got that kind of talent you got you got the major building block now. It still takes a lot to to win. It's, look at Edmonton; they have still, you know, made a number of mistakes where they haven't been able to fill in the pieces. But I I, I guarantee you, they will get there if McDavid stays there. That they'll be one of the better players as they they're going through this. And you know, Buffalo's already made a lot of strides in what they're adding, mm-hmm. and so is Toronto. And 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 it's always. You know, you get a generation generational player every now and then, and when you get one, then you got to keep them and, and make certain you fill in the pieces around them because then you got success for a long, long time.
0: So, Lou, you're you're at, at that point about to leave the uh, North Stars organization, but you're a lifelong, you know, devo- devotee to the, to that uh, franchise. What was that like to? Uh, just to watch the success that that team had with, with Bobby Clark as, as GM and as we talked about gaining his coach because Bobby Clark is GM You know, I grew up with him being a flyer he's a lifelong at that point flyer what was that like to look at the GM chair and coach's chair and, and, and have a great from the Canadians and a great from the flyers in, in the GM chair uh, at that point in charge of the North Stars
1: I thought it was magnificent because uh, those two guys in my mind, were among the greatest ever, and I, I competed against them for you know uh, ten years. And not only that, I was on the players' association with them for for seven years. And and uh, in, in the case of Gainey, well, six years, and Bobby, uh, six years. But I was there for seven years, and and so I, you know, I got to know them really well and respect them a lot. And and I just Take a look at that team, the North Star team, and, and the team that I've been associated with all my life, and a lot of kids that I had drafted and brought there. And then I, I look down and see them being run by two, in my mind, of the best competitors that ever played the game, and and champions from from Montreal and and Philadelphia. It's just like icing on the cake. I just like, I just loved it. I just, I, you know, I was just thrilled with it. and I just. I guess, you know, I, you get in the, in the finals again, and you start just agonizing again, please let this happen. You know, <laughs> you know, and I just, you, you just think that maybe finally this is the year because, uh, those guys have been fortunate enough to have won cups and, and that's something I was never able to do. And some, that still bugs me to this day because that's the ultimate, and that's what you want to do when you're competing. And, and, uh, and it was just a terrific ride anyway. And and the fact that they did so much to bring the North Stars back, but not only that, developed the careers of the kids that they had, because those two guys uh, know the game so well and competed so hard. And and the guys looking at him when you're talking to Bob Gainey, and then he's telling you something, you might be upset the way he's telling you something or you might be upset with what he's saying. But you can't be thinking that he doesn't know what he's talking about, <laughs> because yeah, the the proof is in the pudding.
0: Well, and and as I recall, he defined it, the term stoic, right? I mean, he was there. There yeah, was no yeah. BS there with Bob Ganey.
1: No, no, he uh, he he's just uh, you know, and he went through a lot. I don't know if you remember, he lost his uh, you know uh,
0: his wife, right?
1: Child, yeah. Wife Oh, yeah, yeah, child, and I mean, I, I mean, just uh, I mean, the guy just. He's battled so much through his life and just forges on, and he's had a magnificent unparalleled career. And and the leadership that he exudes not only demonstrates and, and, and everybody's aware of, but you feel it when you're around them. You feel it, and those kids have to feel it. They have to feel it. And the drive and determination of Clark, I mean, uh, you know, everybody knows the story of him playing when he shouldn't have played. With you know, you know being a diabetic, what he had to go through to succeed, mm-hmm. and 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 there's no stopping him. And and he rode it right to the top. And so they could That team couldn't have had better leadership than they had.
0: So you you played against both those guys as you talked about for a long time. Did you? Yeah. yeah. Did you learn more about them as far as competitors though? When when you got, got the opportunity, even though they were done playing, to work with them. Did, did I what? Did you learn more about them as competitors? Because oh, yeah. both were yeah. fierce yeah. Yeah. Because, in different uh, ways.
1: You know, I, I played against them so much, and I and and I mean, associated with so much in the, as player meetings, especially Clark and I. We you know we did a number of things together, and in fact, Bobby, one morning, seven o'clock in the morning, which is eight o'clock Eastern time, but seven o'clock in the morning, my phone rings, and it's Clark and, he, and I. I said hello, and he says, "Louis, Bob." I says, "What's up?" And he says, "How did you know when to quit?" And he meant when I retired as general manager. And I said, "Why?" He said, "I got to know. How did you know when to quit?" And I said, "Well, I'm going to tell you. When I was thinking about it, I didn't know what to do. And we had uh, the the All Star game in Quebec. It was either the All Star game or, or the Russians playing the Russians. It had a big." Uh, uh, sort of dinner and luncheon for the board of governors, and Sammy Pollock was there. And Sammy was, Sammy was out of the league by then. He had, he had retired. He was in the uh, real estate business, and and he was at he was at the meal. And I was going through the line with him, and I I said Sammy, I said, how did you know when to quit? And he turned to me, and he said, Louie, you'll know. And so I said, Bobby, you'll know. And and I said, I I told him the Pollock story. And then, you know, he retired shortly after that with Philly. And he was out of hockey before, you know, he came back with the North Stars.
0: Okay, so th- this was before he took the North Stars job? Yeah. Okay. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Just because of yeah. uh, of the pressure and wore him down at the time?
1: Yeah, you get you get, yeah. Yeah, you get yeah enough. You just feel I've had enough. Uh, I don't know, in, in different ways. Me, because it was my, uh, you know, basically the male Clinic told me I... I Either change the way you are or change jobs. I tried to change the way I was. I couldn't, so I changed jobs. Right. But right. Uh, him, you know, whatever motivated him to, to leave, he left. And then he went away for a while. He missed it, then he came back.
0: Hmm. So did you, when, when you were about to, to leave then, and the team goes on the, the Stanley Cup run spring of 91, Lou, when you left then, and clearly... You, you were uh, forging a new path for yourself. Did you have any inkling that things were about to go as wrong as they did quickly? Because, you know, in the spring of 91, Norm Green was a hero here. People were chanting, Norm, Norm, Norm. Did you have a, a gut feeling about, not necessarily the team was going to up and move, but a gut feeling about the fact that this might not be the greatest sustainable plan here?
1: No, I didn't. I, because now you end on the high note when I'm leaving and, and I should have known, though. I should have known, because if you go back and look at the jerseys, Norm had me uh, re- redesign a jersey. He said, we need another jersey, just the stars. I don't want the end the there. I just want the stars. And so I went to Bill Mack. Bill Mack, the, you know, he's a tremendous artist. He lives in the Twin Cities. Uh, he uh, housed the, you know, players for us. And uh, his family was ours. Very, very supportive of the North Stars. And Bill is the guy that designed the Hobie Baker Award, the sculpture. Bill's a sculpture guy, and he's really good. So I went to Bill. I said, you know, uh, Norm wants another jersey with the stars. on. Can you come up with something? So he's the guy that designed the Stars jersey with the star in the front. Now, unbeknownst to me, I don't even know if he was talking just stars then or maybe just had a feeling of going somewhere else and keeping just the name Stars. So I didn't know that, mm-hmm. but uh, as it turns out, uh, that became you know the name for the Dallas Stars, and he kept the stars. But to me, I, I just thought he was just one or another. You know, like Norm had all these quirky things. Like if he walked around the the concourse before a game, he'd come back to some fan and give him an idea, and then many times it was outlandish ideas. And he come down and he says, "Louis, we got to do this," and I said, "Norm, you got to quit walking the concourse." <laughs> <laughs> and you know, just uh it was different. So but he was committed when he put that seven million in the building and, and uh then having that run and seemingly being on top of the world that I thought you know, I thought things were well on its way to being very, very strong and and successful there.
0: Weren't they putting in suites? As the uh, playoffs were starting or something along those lines?
1: No, no, no. I had put in the suites before that. Okay. I put in 20 suites, and that was one of the reasons why they did move and and when the guns did move was because we had 20 suites. We knew we had to go to 60, and the guns paid for the 20 suites. So we try to get uh, Sports and Facilities Commission to give us money to improve the building because they own the building and, and uh, pay for the suites. And they wouldn't do it. And Norm tried the same thing. They wouldn't do it. So, uh, you know, it just it should have been evident to us that they were trying to force us downtown and uh, didn't want us to be successful there. And the reason why, because now uh, you got a building downtown, the Target Center, Yep. and you have the Med Center. Now, the Target Center was built for $80 million at that time, I think it was. Or, or no, maybe it, might have, it was even more. Anyway, uh, the fact was, that there was a big mortgage of course on the building downtown. We had no debt on our building as a Met. So if, if, say, Billy Joel was coming to Minnesota mm-hmm. and, and he has two choices to play, we could under, undercut their bid all the time because we had much less expenses to, to overcome. So we got all the concerts. Yep. So we're getting all the concerts. They got no revenue but the basketball team. So what do they need? They need us to either go downtown or go out of town. And we, we didn't go downtown, so they wanted to force us out of town. And that be not just the owners of the Timberwolves, but the people downtown, the lobbyists, the, the newspaper owners, everybody on the property, the whole thing. They, everybody was against the North Star staying out there because they couldn't support the other building.
0: What was the most outlandish idea that Norm came back that you can recall from walking the concourse with?
1: Oh, I, 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 I can't remember now. I mean, he there was so many of them. I, I, I they were just, you know, uh, I mean, he 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 would walk up there and and then think that we had to do something different. I I I really I didn't pay much attention to him. I just. <laughs> You know, I, I I didn't like him at all. Like one of the, you know, I Norm loved the feel of of uh, being, you know, sort of the among the people. These are the people, and and them loving him, which is good. That's fine. But uh, so he wanted he wanted to always be, you know, among them. Like one time we were sending, uh a team out to Rice Park in St. Paul. Years before that, I started having a calendar made. I made a deal with Pillsbury where they would pay for the calendars, buy so many seats, and then we'd we'd take a a unique picture and we'd pass out the calendars. One year they're at the uh, uh, orchestra hall downtown with tuxedos and, and and. tennis shoes on, or all different things, you know. And and so they were going to race Park to take a picture, and he saw the team going out and he said, where are they going? I said, they're going downtown to take a picture to uh, do our calendar. He says, is Clark uh, Clark and Ganey in the picture? no, they're not in the picture. He says, oh, uh, am I in the picture? I said, no, you're not in the picture. He said, why, why aren't we in the picture? I said, it's just a team. We've always done this the deal with Pillsbury. And he said, uh, Well, I didn't sign off on huh? it. I said, You haven't signed off on a deal since you've been here. I signed off on all the deals. He said, Well, tell them we want more money. He said, I haven't signed this. No, I'm not doing that. And and they said, Well, I didn't sign. We can get more money. I said, No, my word is my word. I'm not doing that. So we didn't do it. But uh, he just, you know, he wanted to be involved in those kind of things. Right, right
0: last thing Lou did you uh so so the 81 run to the finals you were confident after that 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 team was going to remain very solid for years to come the 91 run as you walked out the door there what was your feeling not about off the ice situations but about where that team was at uh the next year and how long that was going to be sustainable
1: well I thought they had a great foundation a great base uh (laughs) I I, I I thought the, the the fans were were back and Norm was committed to staying there. I, he showed his commitment by putting money into the team. That's why, I, you know, as much as people get upset with him for leaving, I, I got to tell you, the sports and facilities commission did not support him. They did not give him the help he needed, and and he couldn't afford it. You know, his uh, his real estate uh, holdings weren't as uh, as profitable as they had been or were going to be, or, I mean, uh, uh, were able to be. And, and uh, he, he needed help, and he wasn't getting it. So I, I didn't know all this. And, 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 and when he didn't get the help to put the money in the building and, and do more, he got that offer from Dallas. He was able to do it, and he moved it. But that was very surprising to me because I thought, you know, this team – Again, it's got a great nucleus mm-hmm. uh, of uh, of a team. It's got unbelievable leadership, uh, you know, with Clark and Gainey, and uh, and Norm loved being in hockey. So I, you know, I figured he'd do anything he had to do to, to to give them the assets they needed to be successful. So I I was I was just blown away that it never materialized where the North Stars stayed there.
0: All right, sir. Thank you much, Lou. I'll talk to you next week.